What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Wildlands. I'm Matt. And I'm David. And today we're going to talk about... Best stories for the both of us, as well as... Hunting and fishing for millennials. Also, stay tuned near the end of the episode, because we'll give you insight on our product of the day. So let's jump right into it. Okay, so pretty much like what we're going to be jumping right into right now uh, is best stories for the both of us. And when I talk about best stories that we have, these are things that we kept, like memories or different things like that, that we, you know that we keep dear to us and that we think that, you know, could inspire some good things for you guys as well. I mean, in my case, I don't know about you, Matt, but I have a lot of, you know, entry hunting stories. Countless. Countless of these things. And also with fishing stories or camping or different things like that. Like, I mean, I've I've camped in extremely cold weather (laughs) thinking that it was going to be sunny or even forgetting a tarp and it rained on my head. Like, (laughs) And you remember it. Oh, I remember that. But I mean, like, there's a lot of these things that, to me, I I cherish, and I think that, it, you know, I think you do as well. Uh, I remember one of my first actual stories, if we if we dive right into the memory lane of, <laughs> of everyone, I think the greatest thing that I remember is a long time ago in British Columbia, uh, I was quite young, uh, just one of the first fishing stories that I had. And that was with my dad. I mean, I remember going out on a lake. This this lake was in Powell River, British Columbia. It's called Duck Lake. And it's just like this vast open lake. And he would bring me trout fishing there. And it was with bobbers and stuff like that. No worm. I mean, I remember going through the, my mom's compost, which was like the dirtiest, smelliest thing in the world. And and you'd find these like... The best worms. Yeah, but these things were small. <laughs> <laughs> these things were tiny. And I mean, just the fact that like you'd go out there, you'd throw the bobber out, you'd wait endless hours or not even, sometimes it was just minutes and catching my first trout. And one of the things, the fondest things that I remember at one point is we caught a trout and it was too big for my dad to actually pull out of the water. But he figured if I lift it out of the water fast enough, like just, (laughs) it'll be fine. But then at a certain point, I think he got a little bit scared that it was going to fly off the hook. So he did one of those like... Dad grabs? He... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kind of like a dad grab but actually it was more like if he was you know chucking a fly okay so you know like a back cast so that that trout went flying like a good 25 to 30 feet behind him yeah. right onto the gravel road oh well. well at least we kept the fish i was gonna say at least uh, the positive outcome we weren't putting it back no no <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the the stories that i think best that i best remember uh, i don't know about you man like how how you uh well, for me, like I say, I have a I have a lot of best or or first memories. Uh, I could jump into. I could jump into uh, my first my first big game hunt uh, was a bear. I mean, my father, being a bear hunting outfitter, w- couldn't wait to get me out there on a bear hunt. And I remember um, sitting in the stand with my father, and then you know, no nobody had video cameras, nobody had cell phones, so I don't even have this thing on camera or anything. But I do remember uh, firing off my father's thirty odd six, uh, with a kick. Well, w- w- with a little bit of a kick at at a young age, you know what I'm saying. I, and um, we we were able to uh, see the the bear uh, expire not too far from the bait station, and uh, I just remember turning over, looking at my dad, and I mean the insane uncontrollable shakes not only for myself but when my father reaches over to shake my hand on my first bear 
I mean, he was just shaking just as much as me, and I'm the one that did the the, the shot. I've, I'm the, the one that went rush of it uh, all. <laughs> like, I mean, it was, I'll I'll remember that for I'll remember that for, forever. I mean, I do. I have that mount in my basement with the picture of my father and myself there with that bear. So I I gotta admit that that's probably one of my favorite ones, and like I said, a while ago of countless countless memories. Yeah, that's actually like you know it, it's all these things here that that really just make you know these type of stories and and the reason that we we created this podcast too is because it's like accumulation of of everything that we that we experienced yeah and and we're also hoping that like you guys too you know while we say these stories or different things like that or whatnot you guys get these flashbacks and these memories and it's something that's really important to you guys and also really important to us and we hope that like at the same time you guys will go like yeah that's right like this happened and that happened and and you laugh about it or you know so on so oh, i got a lot of those stories too we'll laugh about <laughs> stuff yeah well, i got i got something too there <laughs> but uh in really the reason we're going and we're diving back uh into these type of these type of stories is it, it kind of ties into what this episode about and what this episode will we're going to talk about a little bit later, which is fishing and hunting for millennials. What we've noticed and different things like that, like how the younger generation of today, their take on hunting and fishing has changed versus the take that we've had when in our generation back then and also of our parents' generation too. So we're going to dive into maybe a little bit more in depth about this, but I think our, our second topic is going to be the main focal point of what we're going to be discussing about today. Yeah, definitely. And and again, like um, it also helps the listeners out there to understand really who we are and what we've done. And uh, when we talk about the younger generation, I feel like we're, we're still the young generation, but... Yeah, but we're, we're hurting in different areas yeah, now. That, that's when it. we get I mean, back, yeah, yeah, we're hurting. We're hurting, you know, but I mean, uh, we still are the younger generation, but the 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 real young generation is what we're looking at. Yeah, I think and, it's like Gen Z or something yeah, like that. Like Gen a, X or Gen, Gen Z, Z or Gen Z, some, some alphabetical some, letter. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're all there now, but so, yeah, you know, exactly. whatever. But, you know, uh, we we as still the young generation still noticed the difference from not, it didn't take that many. I feel like it didn't take that many years to change from what it always was to what it is now. Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like, like our parents and our grandparents did not see much of a change. And then suddenly when our parents were midlife, you know, to us being starting off hunting to today, it changed dramatically. So I'm, I'm, you know, that's what we're going to, that's what I'd like to touch base on that to just to see. Well, you know. yeah, absolutely. And it, like for some just really odd reason, it, it, it's not that it, it's not seen like the evil by doing hunting and fishing. I think it depends mostly on, on the, the you know, the geography of the idea but like, you see, also a, a huge interest because uh, if I'm going to dwell back on memories again, we're going to go down memory lane a second time. Like, I remember—I don't know if you remember this, Matt. Like, I remember every like Saturday or Sunday morning, there'd be like hunting show galore oh, yeah. on cable TV. Yeah, on, and, yeah, on cable TV. On cable TV, yep. and I mean like pro- service providers—they were like perfectly okay yep. with showing hunting 
and showing fishing shows yep. on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Yeah, like, I, I remember. I, I mean, you know, that was that was the Sunday morning. Exactly. Like you had you had your 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 comic shows, you had your your comedy shows, you had everything like that. But, but then you had the hunting and fishing. You had to check the hunting and fishing shows. Oh, yeah. And now it's like you have a hard time just finding no, one channel have... on satellite. Oh, that's, that's it. You have to subscribe to them now. You have to subscribe to them because they it's want like, to target oh. these people. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And then your service providers, whatever they are, or whoever they are, it's like they're like, okay, well, we're just going to put out the general reality TV kind of thing. Yep. And I find that's a bit like... You know, it shows the change of time. It shows the, the the value that people put into something that's actually like, you know, part of our heritage in a certain sense. Yeah, this is something that's very important. much part of our heritage. <laughs> exactly, like our our parents lived through it. Our grandparents had to live with it. You know, yeah, like uh, the food was on the table because they went out and did something either like I catching have a, or whatever. I have a super cool picture here, David, that I I've never actually showed you. I have a picture here. Of my great grandfather, with my grandfather, with my father, <laughs> with a deer harvested, strapped onto a branch—not a branch, but like a a small tree—and they're carrying that through a, a chopping on their shoulders. I mean, you, you just won't see that no more, you know. Like, and I'm happy to see that because I know exactly where my background came from you know yeah, like exactly. i have that and i and i was lucky enough to meet my great-grandfather mm-hmm. and and i mean i'm not talking about <coughs> excuse me there <coughs> excuse me again jeez i don't have covid19 by the way <laughs> um, <Uh-oh>. <laughs> yeah really um yeah i was lucky enough to meet uh my great-grandfather and then hunt with my grandfather and obviously still be hunting with my father. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that that's a, a whole lot of generations that are going yep. way back. You know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's not that I, like, I'm not chucking dirt on, on you know, no, the mentality of, of no, different no, other no, people. No, not at all. But, I mean, when it comes down to the fact that they're like, you're practically protecting the worms that you're digging out of the ground. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain point where I find that, like, we've <laughs> we've gone maybe a little too far into this. A little bit. Like, and it's just like, give that chance. Like, you know what I mean? Like you, you have to give that chance. And you have to understand that if there would have not been any hunting or fishing, you would not be here today. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, whether you didn't do it or not, it was important at some point. Well, yeah. For your being here. Exactly. And, you know, like. And like you said, I totally respect everybody's opinion and and way of things as long as they also respect mine <laughs> yeah as long as the, yeah exactly they they don't jump into that <laughs> that barrel with us you know yeah but uh yeah so like if we were to look and i mean i've done we've done a little bit of research on this and different things like that yeah. it's obviously it, it even shows in in the times statistically saying like the First of all, I'll pull out some statistics like I was saying earlier on. These statistics are based off of, for fishing, every five years. So they do one survey in 2005. Uh, they did one in 2005, 2010, and 2015. This, this year, today, is it's going to be the year. Exactly. It's still not out yet. But like if we're looking at the New Brunswick demographic, like they say that in terms of popularity, in terms of fishing, our most popular species out of 20 species that we have is brook trout, smallmouth bass, and striped bass. Yep. Now, 
with that said, the the actual like population, if I'm not mistaken, like the actual terms of this uh, is based off of like in New Brunswick, an increase in 2010 of the amount of anglers. So let like if we go in in numbers, 2005 there was 43,382 registered anglers. Okay. In 2010 there was an increase. Okay, 52,770 anglers in a population of roughly what was it? What did we say? 750. Yeah, somewhere around, yeah somewhere around there. 65, 56,000 people. Okay, and then in 2015 there was a decrease again of 50 in of anglers. Uh, and now there's 50,896. Yeah. Now, I know like me a great, like a huge deal of the reason why I liked fishing in New Brunswick was for salmon fishing. Okay? Yeah, definitely. Between 2015 and, and 2010, there was a decrease in, in the amount of salmon. And even in 2015, there was, they installed that, that law that, yeah. that made it that it had to be catch and release only. Yeah. So I, in my opinion, I can, I can see that as being a reason why there was a decrease of 2000. I mean, there's, a, there's been a decrease of 50% since 2017 uh, in, in registrations for salmon fishing, which is understandable. And I'm guilty of that. I have not bought my salmon license since then. Yeah. So I buy my trout license every year, but I mean, yeah, my, exactly. my salmon license. So. Exactly. And in terms, and like if we go back into the younger generation, and this is an overall, that like we're going out of the context of New Brunswick. Yes. Uh, when we look statistically at percentages in age, only... Only well, I'll restart. Like I'll I'll get myself on this one, but only thirty seven percent of Canadian anglers that have been registered are between the age of twenty five and forty four. And I mean, starting at twenty five, that I was fishing way before twenty five. Exactly, which by then it leaves us with forty two percent at the age between forty five and sixty four, and fourteen percent by the age of sixty five and up. Yeah. So right then and there, that leaves what? We were saying 8%? Yeah. 8% of registered anglers are actually under the age of 25. Meaning, I mean, in my opinion, like for me, when I was an angler, I started, I was probably when like you were an four. Angler? When you were a younger angler. Because you're <laughs> yeah. still an angler. Yeah, exactly. When I was a young, <laughs> yeah. When I was younger, I started probably around like the age of four or five. Oh, geez. I yeah. I remember like one of the first rods that I had and like when I was in Powell River. Of course. It was one of those like little like uh, Zebco 33s with the push button on the back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Come on, we all had that. Exactly, but the thing is, is mine didn't last that long because my dad had bought it for me. <laughs> my dad had bought it for me, and he told me throw your line in the water. So you threw your line in the water. So I threw the whole thing in the water. I mean, hey, I followed rules, but that's yeah. how I did it, and okay. I, I chucked that in there, <laughs> and I never saw it again. But I got another rod afterwards. But that was like you know. It just goes to show that already at that young age, oh, like yeah. fishing was shown to me. And oh, then it, it, from there, it instilled into like my daily life. Well, exactly. If we walk out of this, this studio right here, uh, you've seen the pictures on my wall of myself with my two kids at probably what he would have been. My son was two, two and a half. Mm -hmm. And my daughter would have been five and a half on the dock at my dad's lodge fishing off on the lake. I mean... It's just, to me, it's totally normal to have them with their little fishing rods with us everywhere we go and we see water. I think my daughter's caught like two trout in her life so far. 
but it's like for us it's normal it's totally normal like we're like because we've already we've grown up like this is what we grew up in oh yeah so we're like okay well we'll show it but i find that there's like too much now that there's like the population is like so against it almost that there's too much of it not being shown but again don't forget times and i mean this it's still with why i think the fishing and the hunting is not being shown to the younger generation but i mean times have changed we didn't have tablets we didn't have smartphones we didn't have parents that work crazy hours like they do now you know like there is that. Our retirement plan is not going to be happening until like... <laughs> we're, we're not going to retire. <laughs> we're not going to retire. It's not going to happen. We'll podcast till then. <laughs> exactly. But no, but see, uh, again, coming into that, that we also have to consider that that has changed as well. So it's not only really the fact that it's not being shown. It's also maybe the fact that there's no time to have it being shown. Yeah. So it, there's... There definitely is a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I could see that happening too. And I, I can also see, you know, we talk about retirement and stuff like that. That's that's like the money value. Yeah. I think like things became so unaffordable. True. Like in a sense that like if I want to go in Ontario to go fish or something like that, it, I'm I'm dishing out like 2500 for yeah. two hours away. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, well, it's yeah. more than two like, hours, but let's say. Now two hours, yeah. Like by plane ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> but exactly. And, and I mean, sorry. I mean, it's like, I don't think, back in the day, our parents were saying it was expensive and it was like a quarter of the price that oh, it geez, is now. Yeah, yeah. And now we're like, this is expensive. It's like three quarters more yeah. than it was before. You know what I mean? Like if I want to go back in British Columbia and I want to go fish for salmon at a cottage, I remember like being able to do that. You'd just go in a fishing derby with a boat and then you'd head out to the cottage and stay there for the night. Yeah. Probably parents would dish, my dad would dish out probably a couple hundred bucks and that's it. Yep. For some at, amazing fishing. Exactly. I was looking at that not long ago. It's, it came up to, I think it was like 7,500 just to stay at the cottage for two nights. Well, and you ever, have to be a minimum of amount of people. If ever we get my dad on uh, the podcast, he'll be able to talk about his uh, trip to Alaska last year. Yeah, and he'll uh, be able. Fun. He'll be able to. Yeah, he'll be able to tell you uh, a little bit about cost and how crazy this stuff is now. So, and, and and I mean, like we were looking at the statistics too of like the cost that people were dishing out. Well, okay, I got that right here. In New Brunswick, this is the province of New Brunswick only, yeah. and don't forget, we said there was what? 756 or 765,000 people? Yeah, and I'm going to talk about, we gave numbers for angling a while ago. I have the numbers for hunters in New Brunswick, okay? 62,700 hunters in New Brunswick. Those are registered, right? Yeah, yeah registered yeah. Okay. That, bought, that bought hunting licenses, okay? In this, they were saying in New Brunswick, there was $253 million spent on hunting. Like, that's insane. That's a, that's a big amount of money. We have, like, you know, we're, what are we? We're probably in one of the highest, let's say, unemployment rates. <laughs> I think, well, on a normal basis, we are one of the highest in the country. And right in, now, in, I think we are the highest. Yeah, probably anyway. close to that. And how many, how many million did you say? Two hundred and fifty-three million. God, that is so much money that we've had to dish out just to be able to continue the sport. But it's like I don't know if that includes non-residents coming in. Like, if that's money that was spent on hunting gear, even by non-residents and yeah, outfitter yeah. fees, I'm not a hundred percent sure. 
But I mean, like, uh, I've spent a lot of money. <laughs> I've spent a lot of money. I can say that, like, myself. I got some of that money. Some of my money's in there. <laughs> a lot of our money's in there. But, yeah. you know, like, we kept, we like the sport. That's why we uh, keep doing it. But exactly. I mean, God, it's just insane how yep. much compared to before. I bet you it's, like, it's probably, like, at least 10 times more than what it was before. When I, like, I'm just going to say, when I started, so when I would have been, what, 15, probably when I just started getting my first licenses. I mean, even license fees were probably about half of what they are now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Just, just that. And yep. I mean, don't Absolutely. get me wrong. There's restocking fees and conservation fees on there, which I totally agree to. And yep. I have, I'm not Absolutely. dissing on that at all because hunters, that's okay. Let's get. I just thought of something that I didn't write down, so I'm going to say it before I forget it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, when we were saying a lot of the hunters and millennials are maybe against hunting or their idea uh, behind everything is like, oh, hunting, there's no need for hunting and this and that. One thing that, again, is misinformation or, or untold information, maybe enough, uh, it doesn't get out there enough. Hunters and anglers are the biggest contribution contributors to actual like restoring, restocking, and protecting nature. If if you look at it, really. Well, yeah, exactly. There's, there's conservation fees on everything. Most of the times, I know I do myself. Like, uh, let's say we just did a we just did an order from uh, from Orvis. Yep. I, I like my bag. Yeah, he like <laughs> that'll be something else we'll talk about. Um. They have the the uh, roundup for for nature conservancy on their uh, on, when you order like you can round up to the next dollar next five dollars whatnot. You don't see uh, you don't see I don't know what's what's a company. You don't see Walmart doing that. No, exactly. You know, like like the outdoor companies are the ones protecting the outdoors. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, and you'll see that too with like uh, different companies that you order. Like you say that'll. Round up to the nearest dollar. Yep. The taxes will go a part of the taxes percentage yep. or so on. So, and 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 not only that, but then these companies also are the ones that are like huge advocates to like their products being either recyclable or yeah. used or, or with recycled, recycled yeah, materials. Exactly. Yeah, you know, like it, it's just we we not only try to keep the the sport alive, but we try to like, conserve it. We try to conserve it as well. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. with the people. Yeah, and. If we go back to, you know, because we, we're looking at a whole bunch of things that are pet peeves in a certain sense. But I would say, like, how how today can we even look at a way to approach them without it, it looking bad? Uh, yeah. I, to me, it's like, I don't know. I, I feel like we're, we're screaming against a wall pretty much. Like, it's just... It seems to be this kind of like square box that's kind of like closing in around those that really enjoy the sport and, and really it's too enjoy bad. the way of it. It's too bad. Yeah. Because again, let's say down memory lane, I can remember, you know, here in town at the uh, the moose hunt, okay? Moose hunt in New Brunswick to a couple of years ago was like this three-day season. And I mean, you got your license. It was like Christmas in September. <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? Like it was the best thing in the world. You had your three days to go get a moose. Yeah. Now it's five days, but it, it used to be three days. And I remember as a younger kid going to the DNR station and standing there from morning to evening to see all those moose come in to get registered. Yeah. And they cancel that now. Like you still go register your moose. But I mean, 
people would line up with chairs and just sit there and watch all the moves come in. Yeah, yeah. And today that's all. Can they used to have like this leaderboard thing that they would change the yeah, names and show the weights and the spreads of the antlers and everything. Yeah. And they had to stop that because some people found it offensive. Yeah. And I mean, here in Bathurst, that was like a huge tradition. I remember going there for like 10 years every year. And then all of a sudden they canceled it. And I remember like it made a lot of people upset, but yeah. because some people didn't like it, we had to change again. That's coming back to if we like it and you don't, it, it shouldn't cause friction. If you don't want to, that's fine. If I want to, that's fine. There should be no friction there yeah. against, you know, like it, it's, I feel like that's kind of a one way street. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because if it disappears again, the, the, the there will be no funds to protect a lot of these nature reserves and nature, yeah, and, you know, like. And most of them are at the point that they, requ not that they require, but I mean, we're helping out a huge amount. Like if you look at the Salmon Association and everything like that, they're restocking the rivers and restocking yeah. the, you know, the, the areas on a daily basis. But I've seen posts of like millions of restocks yeah and i mean i think that it's like we're we have to we're at that point where we have to do that because it needs to be done like we've done maybe some errors in the past but i mean still it's like that it's just if we look at it badly i mean if people don't want to do anything like that then then these people are not getting paid to yeah. restock i mean buying our our licenses and our permits are helping those are paying the salary of those yep. that are are you know conserving and doing their part in that we're not able to do and if we stop you know these type of hunting uh, excursions and stop paying for our, our you know if we dwindle away in a certain sense then they're not going to get any money back and then there'll be no restocking and then there'll and be then no restocking be and then it'll be the loss yep. you know it's it's a it's a whole cycle that people just don't seem to understand it's not out there enough I know. And it that's is what not I mean. told. Like, I guarantee you, you go to any, uh, I'm going to say non-hunter. I'm not going to say anti-hunter. I'm going to say yeah. non-hunter. Yeah, because we don't have any dirt against you guys. <laughs> no, not at all. Honestly, not if at you, all. If you love camping and you're listening to our thing, today is a hunting and fishing yeah, exactly. segment. So bear don't, with us. <laughs> exactly. Don't, don't. Um, I got nothing against that. Uh, my sister-in-law is actually a non-hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, she does not have a problem with me. I have no problem with her. But that being said as well, is that it's not out there enough. I guarantee you, I can't say it, she doesn't know it because I've already had a conversation about it. But if you go to a lot of them and you say, oh yeah, by the way, when I buy my license, there's $5 that goes to a restocking fee. Yeah. I guarantee you, they don't yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah. And then they kind of look at you like, oh, well, that's, that's kind of good. Yep. Well, it should be out there more instead of all the negative things. Yeah. The positive should be out there as well. Absolutely. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's why we're here. Exactly. And I mean, you know, that, that brings us into a subject that, that brings me into, uh, an, uh something that I found on my research, uh, <laughs> research Dave, <laughs> but, uh, something that we actually just talked about that we only noticed this year and this goes to the marketing aspect of it that i find it's just like such a miss but such a great idea is in the actual regulation books for 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 2020 
we noticed a segment that said Master Angler Award Program. True. For, for I mean, this is something, and, and in the photo, it's it's a kid holding a pike yep. this year. And I mean, this is something that we should that should be pushed out there to try to get even more youth into fishing and hunting. And like you were saying for for moose, if there's like a leaderboard, yeah, if, or for any type, be it small game or whatever, it could be something that that is of interest to them. And what I think is like this, it says here, it says each year submissions for this contest for largest fish in twenty species that we have in New Brunswick. So it's it's still a master angler for each oh, yeah. species. Yeah, yeah. And what they get, they get prizes and everything like that. I mean, what kid didn't want a prize? Yeah. <laughs> Even in the cereal box, we were happy when we got a prize. Let's not call it a prize. Let's call it a recognition. Yeah, a recognition you to know, it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, you have days it, when we look back and we were talking about like, okay, well, things are expensive. You have days in the year that are specifically made for no licenses. Yeah, NB Fish Days. Exactly, the NB Fish Days, which... Uh, this year is is coming up. Yeah. Yeah. The sixth and seventh of June. There's going to be two days of uh, NB Fish Days, which mean non-resident and resident anglers will be able to actually fish for any species, except landlocked except salmon. for landlocked salmon. Yeah. So, with that, if you were to want to keep a landlocked salmon, you would have Still, to have. There you need your license and your tags. Yes, you would have to have a license and your tags. However, for all other species, that means 19 different species that you could fish without having to acquire a license. I mean, that's... That's, that's money saver. And money saver, and at, it shows that the province is still trying to boost the anglers. Like, I think the province does realize that there's a decrease, and they, they do also realize that they need them for the restocking and everything else. Yeah. So, I mean, right, that doesn't, those two days does not bring them in any money, but maybe it will pick the interest of a father wanting to bring his kid out. Yeah, exactly. You know, and and even if the kid only goes out those two days, mm-hmm. next year he's going to remember those two days and he's going to ask his dad to go again. Yeah. And then that being said, well, then they might decide to keep going or that kid might, his father might not bring him out, but he might develop that to want to, do it himself, yeah, yeah, which is a good thing, and it's a learning process too for no. for the younger generations. Yep. I mean, you're showing them how to do, you know, how to fish and everything like that. Yep. And on top of that, when you look at it in ages, I mean, from under 16 years of age, that person does not even need a license to fish for 19 different species of fish that are available in New Brunswick. It's really only salmon. And if, in fact, if that up to 16 years of age, if you want to keep a fish, that person can fish under the license of an adult. Exactly. And then keep... It doesn't double your bag limit. It does not double your bag limit. But still, that person can can keep fish under the license of somebody who has one or somebody that has a certified license, a fishing license. And they have to be fishing with them. They can't just like kind of go on their own type thing. Exactly. They can't bring it home and say like, hey, I caught a fish, put it under your license. You can't do that. (laughs) So anyways, with that said, like me, I'm going to conclude on my opinions on this. I think that we have to push the marketing for younger generations to be able to be interested into the fishing community and the hunting community. Uh, I believe that that it's it's a bit of a lack that we have right now. Yeah. 
And I believe that there is also a lack of information that's given. That's the big part, in my opinion. Yeah. It's the, the misinformation that people don't know that how important it is to actually conserve what we have is to actually have those anglers and hunters out there. Yeah, exactly. And and to have, like you said, the misinformation, there's a misinformation on on what buying our licenses and doing what we're doing does for the does for those that are actually trying to conserve it. Exactly. Like we are paying their salaries. Yep. Or helping to helping, anyways. Exactly. We're helping to pay their salaries and restock what people are complaining that we're taking away. We're actually putting it back, yep. <laughs> you know, and, and be it any other way. Like these are things that, that should be taught from the get go with yeah. the younger generation. This is something that should be taught to them for the son or daughter that is brought out by the father or mother to go fishing is to also give the value, like teach them the value of conservation yep. and the importance that it is to have the proper license, as we talked about in our last episode, for those type of species. And Definitely. just to just to have fun, really. That's yeah. what it is. It's just to have fun. It's to have fun, be out in nature. Build bonds. Bond, I mean, again, back to the memories. Most of my childhood memories will always be somewhere in the woods. Yeah, exactly. You know, so with that said... We're going to, uh, how about we jump right into the product of the day? Yeah, why not? All right. So uh, I'll start it off, actually. Uh, well, no, you know what? You can you start this one off and I'll give some information about it. <laughs> All right. Well, our product of the day uh, for this episode will be the Orvis Battenkill Reel. Uh, reel that I've owned, uh, that I still own. I got one too. You got one too. And I think Amazing. my parents have one, each each have one. I think I bought one for my wife. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I love it. And, uh, Dave actually did some awesome research on it. So, uh, absolutely get going on that. Yes. So when we're looking at the bat and kill reel, not only are we looking at a light weight, sturdy built reel and, and this is a fly reel, by the way, this is a fly reel. And I mean, it's just so much fun. I have friends that have it. I have a cousin that has one. It's it, that kind of sounded like does, does I sound... got a cousin that's got one. You know what I mean. So this being said, doesn't it sound like a popular reel? <laughs> it sounds like a popular reel. It sounds like I'm um, almost turning into a. Turning we are into, not sponsored by Orvis. We are not sponsored by Orvis, but uh, right now I'm just saying, you know, my cousin's hot one and all that there. But with that said, the the bat and kill. Like if we go back, let's go back in the day. So Charles Orvis actually started his company close if i'm not mistaken if on not the on the banks of the battenkill river in vermont usa I, I don't know why i did that but i did it anyway usa <laughs> we are canadian eh <laughs> so he started this off at the battenkill river in vermont and just to give you a little bit of a heads up back in the day the battenkill river in vermont was actually not that great of a river there was barely anything in it just that's, to let you know. That's where Orvis came in and <laughs> helped the 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 river community. got better all yeah, of a sudden. Because of Orvis. Hey. <laughs> so I think there was some restocking that happened there. But anyway, somebody could prove me wrong. And the Battenkill Reel itself is a four-position drag system, which is like it's a drag and pawl system. Just to give you guys a bit of an idea, it, it's very easy. And it has a little bit less resistance when you get a fish on the end of your tippet. Now, it's got a high retrieval rate and a very small case, in a very like thin case. 
It'll retail for roughly about 98 to 119 US, all depending on the weight size, if I'm not mistaken, that you That's get. Right. Okay. And with the weight sizes, you can go between one, you can go from a one weight all the way to a seven weight if you wanted to. In and three different sizes. In it, three it different sizes. Three, yeah. This thing is just amazing and it looks so cool. And I mean, the Batten Kill has been around for the longest time. And it's also been revamped for the longest time. It comes out <laughs> I've in, seen a bunch of models. Exactly. I have I have two or three of their models. So. Yeah. And I mean, I think that what they consider is as being like the closest cousin to the Baton Kill is the Hydros, to be honest with you, which will be something that we'll go into a little bit longer. I also have that one. You also have that one? Oh, my. I know. And on top of that, they had a contest not long ago. But it's ultra light. It's, it's just it's an all around sexy reel. If you ask me the, the real thing, it's a sexy reel. You have I, that new color too. I'm jealous. I don't have I that got color. It. I got it. <laughs> That's right. And it's a Arbor Mid Arbor range reel. And it also has a quick change up if for either right or lefty. It, I just find it's an all around greatness, if you ask me. And when you use it for trout, like I use it for brook trout, New Brunswick being one of the highest species that's fished, is just so much fun to use. It is. It, it gives you that kind of vintage feel, if oh, you yeah, ask me. Definitely, and vintage look. <laughs> it mean. has a vintage look oh, to yeah. it, too. So our product of the day today is the Batten Kill Reel. And I mean, if you have time to go check it out, go check it out. Go look at the videos. It's just really cool, and it's really good and cost-effective rule. Uh, rule. rule. <laughs> it's a rule to use the Batten Kill. No, it's a, it's a cost-effective reel. So with that, I'd like to sign out uh, for this uh, today's episode. And once again, we're still in the same situation as we were in before. So I wish you guys all a great stay at home, safe uh, conduct around the house and around all your family and friends. And uh, we'll see you later. I don't know, Matt, you got to sign out. Same thing, you know, social distancing also kind of translates into fishing for me. So just get out <laughs> fishing and stay within, you know, your distances. Yeah. So uh, we'll see you later and we'll see you on the water. Cheers. Right. Have a good one.